Thank you, Greg. So as Greg shared, we'll be looking at uh, Romans chapter 3. And begin reading with verse 22. Paul's been talking about uh, making a statement that there isn't anybody who's righteous, not even one. And he says, there isn't anyone who seeks God, no one who understands. We've all turned away, um, all together become worthless, no one who does good, not even one. And he says it two or three times, not even one. And he talks about the law being given, the law of God, God's revelation of his nature, his character, who he is, uh, what we would call the will of God in the Old Testament. And he says that it's great to understand finally what God wants of us. But the problem is we're not able to do it or to be it. And so there's none that are even interested in it until God steps down in his grace and mercy and begins to call us. So he says, starting in verse 22, he's talking about a righteousness that God has made known beyond anything that the law and the prophets talked about. And he says, this righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. And there is no difference, no difference between Greeks and Gentiles, uh, Gentiles and Jews, no difference between men and women. No difference between rich and poor. No difference between young and old. We're all the same in this category. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So the word sinned here means that you've missed the mark. It's an um, archery term or target practice. You know, there's a target there and you've tried to hit it and you missed. And so he says that what we've missed is we've missed the glory of God. That's what we've missed. And he says that's bad. That's what sin is, is that the glory of God is there. It's his will for us, and we've missed it. And he says that's a really bad thing. So, I, you know, we talk about this all the time. What is the glory of God that we missed? If it's the basis of sin, what is this glory he's talking about? And why is it such a sinful thing that we've missed it? Well, the point of this is that the glory of God is the whole reason and purpose that he created us. Right? In the very beginning, when God began, and he began to create all the, the things in the creation, and then the final thing that he made was he created people, men and women. And what does Genesis tell us? Men and women created in the image and likeness of God. Now, Paul's going to write to the church at Corinth later on, and he's going to say that man is the glory of God. And so we've missed what it means to be people. This is why we have people acting like animals today and people thinking that's what they're supposed to do. You know, if you come from an animal... Shouldn't be surprised if you act like one. But the whole point and the whole message of Scripture is that we didn't come from animals, that we were created in the image and likeness of the living God with personality, with a soul and a spirit, and an ability to make choices and decisions and to think. 
and he's called upon us to be in relationship with him. He created us to be his representatives in the earth. That's why he gave them authority and power over the animals and over the rest of creation because they were God's image and likeness on the earth. The glory of God to be seen, demonstrated, lived out through the relationship between Adam and Eve and Adam and Eve and God. And then that would filter down how they treated and responded to all the rest of creation was a result of who they were. And it's that glory that we've missed. That's the goal, the purpose that God created us, to be his image in the earth. And we missed it. Through sin, um, as Greg was explaining to the kids a while ago, through sin, um, that glory is not seen anymore. At best, it's hidden away somewhere. It's, you know, it's just not there. People don't, don't see it. Um, we look around us, uh, we'll look at the newspaper, listen to the radio, um, see what's happening in the world around us today. We don't see the glory of God being revealed through people and relationships, through countries and their relationships with one another. We don't see that very much. Um, oftentimes, it's, it's difficult to find it even in the church, isn't it? So we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what God created us to be and intended us to be. So in the Old Testament, because we've forgotten what, it, what the glory of God is supposed to be and we've, we've covered it up and snuffed it out and, and hidden it so long that we don't even remember what it's supposed to be, what God has called us to be. That's why people are confused as to who they are and why there's so much confusion about um, um, between the genders and, and relationships and all kinds of things like that because people are, there's a moral and spiritual confusion that's taking place because people have turned their back on God. And he's the only one that can help us know who we are. So if we exclude him, then we're lost, uh, wandering around trying to find ourselves. And sometimes, even when we find ourselves, we don't know it. So that's where we are. So God, um, in his grace and in his mercy, right from the beginning, um, chose not to leave us in that state. So in the scriptures, in the Old Testament, um, you've got a, what later came to be called the Shekinah. Uh, the Shekinah is a, it's a technical word. It's a Jewish word, Hebrew word. And Shekinah comes from a biblical word which means to dwell. Um, Shekinah represents the abiding presence of God with us. That's what it means. It's the nearest Jewish equivalent to what we would call the Holy Spirit. It's another name for the glory of God. So Shekinah means to dwell. And we find that uh, throughout the Old Testament the whole hope of the Old Testament is that God would choose Abraham and through Abraham raise up a nation, a people, and through that people, they would be God's representatives to the rest of the world and include everybody. And the whole hope of Israel, the nation which God created out of Abraham, was that they would be his people and he would be their God and he would come and dwell in their midst. He would dwell among them, Shekinah. The abiding presence, the, the awareness that God is here with us. And that's the whole 
functional purpose, the whole uh, physical and visual representation behind the tabernacle, isn't it? The tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant, that represents, it's got the, uh, the, the commandments in there, and, and it's got the showbread, um, and all of that there, God's provision, God's presence, God's with us. And we can come before him and receive forgiveness and cleansing, and we can begin to know once again who God is because we've lost. Uh, wandering on our own, and we've forgotten. So God makes this known, first of all, uh, to Moses in the burning bush. And Exodus chapter 3 this is when God's beginning to call Moses. He's 80 years old. He's been 40 years out in the desert with the animals and um, with his in-laws. And it's a pretty desolate place. But he was able to make a living and come to some, some form of peace with himself. And in that desert place, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And... Moses out in the desert saw this bush was on fire, but there was no smoke and there was no ashes because the, the bush wasn't being consumed. It was a living plant that was on fire and yet continued to be alive. And that was really strange. So Moses said, I'm going to go look at this thing. So he went over there and the voice of God began to speak to him and identify who God was. Now, later on in Deuteronomy 33, it talks about seeking after the God and the favor of him who dwelt in the burning bush. So this bush is on fire, but not consumed. Um, we're going to see this in the New Testament. Paul's going to talk about, oftentimes he talks about uh, the hardship that he faced, cast down but not destroyed, persecuted, um, depressed, and yet he, he keeps getting up because... Um, there's a life that's there and there is a fire that's burning within him that does not consume him but enlivens him. We used to talk in the church about burning out for God. I don't think that's a good concept. I think if we're walking in the spirit, I think there's an energy there and a life that comes up from his presence within us that restores us and renews our youth like the eagles so that you can run and not be weary and you can walk and not faint because there's a strength, there's a resource that's beyond ourselves. This is why Moses, when he's 80 years old, God calls him and he has strength to carry those people another 40 years. Another 40 years. Um, because he was energized by the presence of God in his life. And so that's what he's talking about here. Uh, and we're going to see the glory of God, this Shekinah, uh, the living presence, the abiding presence of God. We're going to see it come down when they dedicated the tabernacle. The glory of God came down and filled that place and they couldn't go in it. Same thing happened when they dedicated the temple in Solomon's day. They dedicated this temple and the, the glory, the light, uh, the presence of God filled that place and no one could even enter the place because of the glory of God was there. And... You've got this occurring over and over and over again throughout the scripture. God revealing himself through the light, through the fire, um, his presence, his glory radiating out. And um, it was something that filled people and invigorated them. 
And so they had these presents, these, um, the presence of God um, in visible form through the tabernacle, through the Ark of the Covenant, um, through all the things that happened. And then Isaiah comes along and he starts talking about something that's even better than that, much more personal, much more something that we can identify with. He begins to talk about a son who's coming and his name is going to be called Emmanuel, which is what? God with us. And so God moves from a building into a person, embodied in the person of his son. God with us. So when Jesus is there, he walks the earth as the embodiment. Um, He is God in the flesh, word of God incarnate. It's not a stone tablet anymore. Now it's a living person, the person of Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. And that's something that we can relate to. It's hard to relate to a, a stone, even if it's living words, as it says in Hebrews. Moses received living words from God. But they're embodied in this tablet. Now we have a living word that's embodied in a man. A man that's like us. Born like us. Lived his life like us. And dies like us. Except his is not like us in any of those areas, is it? God in the flesh. And so... This is what God is doing. He says, it's this glory, this Shekinah glory of God that was meant to be revealed in me and in you. In me and in you. (laughs) Uh, We are to be the glory of God. We are to be, the calling of God is, we are to be the incarnation of of the word of God. And we failed. That's the sin. That's the calling. The Shekinah glory of God should have been revealed in us and through us and reflected in every relationship every deed, every action that we do. And that's what we've missed. By our own efforts, we can try to do good things, and yet we still sin because we've missed the glory of God because we're doing it to say, look at me, or I'm doing this so people will think I'm a good person, or this is what is expected, or what I ought to do, and I'm trying to please everybody, you know, all those kinds of things. And all of those are sinful because God's not like that at all. So that's what we sin. That's where we've missed the glory of God. All of us, not one of us, have been able to measure up to that. And so God has shown himself and he says, okay, this is the glory of God. And now it's in a person, Jesus Christ. Hebrews says that he is the, in Hebrews chapter 1, let me read it so I'll get it right. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of His being, sustaining all things by His powerful Word. And so He's the radiance of the Father's glory, the exact representation of His being. Jesus is what you and I were supposed to be. The glory of God. So what we see in Jesus, the things that he does, the things that he says, that's what Adam and Eve were supposed to do. That's what you and I were supposed to be. And as we measure ourselves against the life of Christ, then we understand what Paul is talking about here. We've all sinned and come short of that glory. But God in his mercy doesn't leave us there, does he? Because of Christ's coming... Um, 
God's glory is displayed in his essential character in Jesus through his life, through his works, his ministry, his death, his resurrection, his ascension, um, the glory of God being revealed in him. And so the good news of the gospel is that because of Christ's death on the cross and because of his resurrection, our sins can be forgiven. And we can be justified, which Paul talks about here in Romans 3, 23, 24. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. So we've all sinned, but now we're justified, just as if we'd never sinned. Just as if we are as sinless as Adam and Eve were on the day that he created them because of the blood of Christ, because of his sacrifice for us, his cleansing in our hearts and in our lives when we accept him as our Savior. He rose from the dead to let us know that our sins were forgiven, and then he ascended into heaven. One of the things that he did when he ascended into heaven was he sent the Holy Spirit. So the Shekinah glory of God that was seen through the burning bush now can become a part of us so that as Christians we can be like the burning bush a light bearer and that's what he's called us to be this little light of mine it's not my light it's his but it's going to shine through me and through you we become the lamp uh, we become the vessel Paul says to church at Corinth we're the clay pots through whom Christ shines in his glory. And when his light shines through us, the result is life. Life. Life to us. Life to the people that we share with. Life to the situation that we come in. And it doesn't matter how dark the circumstances or how hopeless the situation. If Christ is in you and me and we go into that situation, there's hope. Not because you or I are there, but because Christ in us is there. And wherever you are, wherever I go, he's in us through his Holy Spirit. And so he energizes. He, we have all the resources of God available to us. This is why Paul, they stone him and leave him for dead and he gets up. And they whip him and he gets up and goes back. And they run him out of town, but he keeps coming back. It's an unquenchable fire. It's a life that overcomes the death. It's a light that shines in the darkness. And the darkness hasn't overcome it, and it hasn't understood it, and the darkness cannot quench it. Because it's a light from God. So the good news from 2 Corinthians chapter 3 is that because of Christ, and because of His Holy Spirit that He's given to us, we have the opportunity to be like the burning bush. So 2 Corinthians 3, verse 17. Now the Lord is the Spirit. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed, changed from within, into His likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And then he's going to say, in chapter 4, 
verse 6. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, the God who creates out of nothing at the beginning, the same God who creates out of nothing into the darkness that's there, he creates light, first thing that he created. Let there be light. And into that darkness comes this brilliant light. And Paul says, this same God who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. That's a miracle. So we look at our life and we say, man, my life is, as a point my, my kids used to, my life was dull, let's see, cold and dark and dreary. The rain, it comes and it never, it's never weary. And it goes on like that. Uh, so whenever they're having a bad day, they would come out with that point. Well, into that emptiness, into that darkness of some of our lives, the God who created the universe says, let there be light. And it's not just a, a glowing light somewhere. It's in the face of the person of Jesus Christ. It's personal. And it's for us. And so this is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God that we've missed. That we've come short of. We look and we see it in Jesus. In the face of Jesus we see the light of the glory of God. The love that speaks in the midst of hatred. The forgiveness that comes when nobody's even asked or wanted it. Um, the hope that comes to the people in the, the deepest despair. The life that comes from those who dwell in a land of darkness and death. That's the hope. That's the light that shines through the face of Jesus Christ. And the good news is that he's come through the power of the Holy Spirit, through the shed blood of Christ, to create that in us, to make us into that burning bush and that's the glory of God so Jesus tells the disciples that it is to my father's glory that you bear much fruit so God actively displays himself through the lives and actions of people in whom his spirit dwells because God dwells in us he is able to reveal his qualities and character through us. So Paul writes to the church of Corinth and he talks about a mystery that's been hidden from the beginning of time but now is being revealed. And the mystery is this in Colossians chapter 1. And he says that he's been commissioned by God to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Meaning in verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but now is disclosed to the saints. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So if we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, what hope is there for us? He's just told us. The hope that we have is Christ in you. That is our hope of glory. Because when Christ is in us, as Paul says to the church at Corinth, we become transformed. It's a process. And it, because it's a process, it means that the light, instead of growing dimmer, begins to shine brighter. 
Wouldn't it be great if you had a battery that instead of day by day getting weaker, day by day got stronger? Be pretty cool, wouldn't it? Instead of dying slowly, 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 it becomes more and more full of energy, more and more life-giving, more and more productive. Increasingly each day. And that's what God says that he wants to do in us. To give us what we lack. To get us what we've missed. Because when we shoot for the glory of God and we do it from sinful, selfish purposes, we miss every time. Every time we miss. And so God doesn't lower the standard. What he does is he changes us. Makes our aim better. Transforming us more and more into his likeness. And so that's the glory of God for us. And that's the, the hope that he's offered to us. That we might bear his image. That we might be to his glory and honor. That people when they look at us can see the life of Christ. And as you read through the book of Acts. And the book of Acts is a tremendous book. Because what it does is it shows the working out of what Christ taught. And why he died in the lives of ordinary people like us. The disciples people who were fallible, people who made mistakes, people who didn't always get it right, people who had weaknesses and faults, and yet what God was doing in them and through them, transforming them, changing them, and through them turning the world upside down. And we're living in days, if you noticed, very similar to the book of Acts, uh, where the church is being denied and persecuted, actively persecuted. People are dying every day now and have been for some time for the gospel of Christ simply because they're Christians. Uh, they're being put to death and being challenged on national scales now, targeted, and they were when the book of Acts was being written as well. And so that book gives me hope because what God was doing then was he took those people in that very difficult, uh, critical, fearful, unpredictable time when people were dying and um, they were saying, what's going to happen now? He took those people and he transformed the whole Roman Empire and beyond. And so you've got um, some of the apostles down in Egypt. You've got them up in, up in Europe. You've got them over in Asia, uh, India, over those places those guys went. And everywhere they went, they took the gospel with them. And so uh, we're living in the day of opportunity. This is what it is for the church. It's a day of opportunity. And when the darkness increases, that means the light shines brighter. So Jesus comes and he tells the disciples, I am the light of the world. And he is. And he's always been. And he continues to be. And then because of Christ in you, the hope of glory, when Christ is in us, then he looks at his disciples and he says, you are the light of the world. And so our world as we know is in darkness and it's an opportunity for the light to shine. And um, it's going to take everything that we are and all that we have. But what's going to happen is the resources aren't ours. We get to be like the bush. Uh, the fuel of that fire wasn't the life of the bush. The life of the bush was because of the fire. And the light... And the life of these men and women in the book of Acts was the light of Christ in them.
and it shone with a brilliant light that shines even to the present day. And we are here today because of it. That's the light that's in us through the light of Christ. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that you've sent us your son to show us the way to be the one who can take us from what we've been to what you created us to be. We're thankful, Lord, that in him, in Christ Jesus, was life, and that life is the light of men. And we pray that his life in us would continue to be the light of men that will draw all men unto you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.